0: study about what's happening in the world in the new world order coming soon just read psalms 2 it'll calm you right down it's a good tranquilizer the kings of the earth set themselves the rulers take counsel together against the lord against his anointed saying let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us he the citizen the heavens shall laugh god is laughing at their plans for a new world
1: order i think a nation is under attack, under attack. from an invader that's right and alive I I lie. it's not iran or iraq and a fact No other country that I'd rather be than the U.S.A. The land of the free, the home of the brave But what can I say? It seems like our freedoms are melting away As each generation becomes more complacent Lazy and ignorant, scared, independent Afraid to be bold, and stand for what's right Enslaved and controlled, and frozen with fright The only thing needed for each On the edge as a nation there's anticipation We're praying for justice and exoneration We've been waiting, and we've been patient Now we demand whole vindication On the edge as a nation there's anticipation We're praying for justice and exoneration We've been waiting, and we've been patient Now we demand whole vindication These government agents forgetting their servants, abusing their powers, it makes people nervous. And now we see riots against cops and judges, a rush to pass judgment with all that it touches. They imprison people for victimless crimes, then lobby with unions to rob them all blind. Just think for a minute if all of their tickets to stand in, by all of us driving the speed limit. Dependent on inmates to finance the system, incentives to keep them locked up in the prison. Now what would they do if no one broke law? That feeds us corruption And most of us all sit around and do nothing On the edge as a nation, there's anticipation We're praying for justice and exoneration We've been waiting and we've been patient Now we demand whole vindication On the edge as a nation, there's anticipation We're praying for justice and exoneration We've been waiting and we've been patient Now we demand whole vindication Creating criminals, losing our sovereignty Prisons with interests ¡Es am
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Affinity Christian Ministries podcast. We started this episode with a song by Destiny Lab called Vindication. and the reason why we played that song is because we have our very special guest, Dr. Kent Hovind, coming in over the phone to speak with us today on many different topics. We have an open question and answer segment. We have a segment talking about his ministry and everything that he does for the work for the Lord. Um, One thing I like to mention is that song. Uh, just is about Hoven's removal from the spotlight back when um, you know there was a lot of issues with him in the law, and it wasn't even his fault. It was a lot of uh, accusal where it wasn't needed. A lot of the devil's work throughout throughout the government to to try and stop his his powerful word because you guys would say at the time he was he was pretty powerful, right? Oh yeah, he was at Definitely. the height of his
3: popularity. Yeah. He was uh, destroying the evolution narrative, and uh, he was unstoppable at the time. And then all of a sudden. When he was making the most headway and the most, and uh, he was at his most effective state, is when he gets removed. So, we're excited to have him on today, and uh, we're going to talk about creation, evolution, and uh, we're also going to lead into end times here. We're going to talk about a variety of topics, ask him some questions, and uh, it's going to be a good time.
4: Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> It's going to be awesome because we're going to get into those things. I mean, there's a lot of people out there right now thinking uh, as Christians or even non-Christians, right? You've got so many years of evolution in your mind and, uh, you know, can't help shake that loose. And so we're going to hear about those things. You as a Christian um, got to realize that you can't fit evolution into your Bible because it doesn't exist. Evolution is the religion of the devil, period. It was there to set it apart us uh, uh, against God, not to coincide with. So as minute you try to, try to twist the Bible to fit evolution, uh, you're going to actually start to create a false narrative from what the Bible says itself. Um, but uh, we're going to go ahead and give uh, Kent
3: a call in now.
2: Yeah, it's going to be great.
3: So everyone, today we have Dr. Kent Hoven on. We're going to be talking about creation, evolution, uh, and we're going to have some Q&A with him. So without further ado, everyone, Dr. Kent Hoven. Uh, Kent, would you like to go ahead and give an opening statement about what your ministry is about and... uh Uh, what you've been up to lately.
0: Oh, well, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Good to be with you. I was a high school science and math teacher 15 years. I became a Christian 51 years ago tomorrow and my birthday into God's family. And as I taught high school science and math for 50 years, I quickly realized there's quite a conflict between what the science books teach and what the Bible says. I said, somebody lying. So 30 years ago, we began a ministry called Creation Science Evangelism, using all the scientific evidence that says hey the creation story is true god made the world in six days about six thousand years ago he made everything including dinosaurs at the same time and the evolution theory is the dumbest and most dangerous religion in the history of the world
2: amen and that usually that usually fires him up
4: <laughs> you yeah, that's awesome. you had me
2: going there for a minute
4: <laughs> <laughs> um so, so Kent, uh, you know now uh, you have uh, a wonderful location that you're uh, building up, and uh, that's Dinosaur Adventure Land, correct?
0: Yes, sir. Lenox, Alabama, straight north of Pensacola. 70 miles out in the middle of no place population 35
4: <laughs> and i'll tell you what you know when we came out we came out and visit you uh it was right there that week before christmas um and uh, we had a blast uh there and you know uh, mason and i we helped and, and shane we helped set up the uh, the satellite dishes there though two of the farthest ones and um you know that was a it was a great time doing that and even you know as i explained to people when i came back home to let them know like you know it's neat each thing has like a life lesson a science lesson and a bible lesson at each point um, so it was enjoyable and uh, not only if you were a kid but it was enjoyable as an adult as well um, so and, and we loved uh, you know just the whole community effort out there it was beautiful uh, thing to see and watch uh, definitely enjoyed you know Bible study and and the, and the conversations that that are going on around the scripture um, it's it's a very healthy environment
0: well thank you sir we've had 80 baptized here lots of people get saved we've had thousands come take the tour Uh, It was a gravel pit for 50 50 years, and it's it's still got a long ways to go to get tamed down, but thank you so much for the dishes. People are loving those satellite dishes. They're 1,900 feet apart, is our best guess.
4: Wow, that's amazing and work, too.
0: And you can talk to each other just like you're standing next
4: to them. I know I, when I was telling people about that, they look at me like seriously. There's nothing connected, no wires. I'm like, no, it's just these focal points from from you know the the sound waves carrying across. I said it's just amazing to have that conversation that far away without having to uh, use anything else other than your voice. Um, it is. Right. It, it was. It was a lot of fun actually getting it dialed in because at that distance, it is very touchy, right? You know, whether you step oh, yeah. in a couple oh, of yeah. feet in, couple <laughs> of feet out, changes changes whether or not it actually works. So uh, that was very interesting. Um, you know, Dr. Hovind, uh, we've got some questions and stuff to, um, to ask you, you know, just regarding um, everything we have going on in this world right now. We've got so many youth, right, that are growing up in the school system. And whether they're Christian or not, many of them are in the public school system. So They've got, you know, 18 years of this evolution teaching before they even go to the college level where it just, you know, seems to get exponentially worse. But so they've got all this programming, right? That happens. And now maybe some were Christians the whole time, but maybe some are new Christians, you know, uh, finding the Lord. And then they're trying to fit evolution into their Bible because they can't seem to shake off the fact that they're being duped or lied to. Throughout this whole process. So, what do you say to a Christian who is is looking at that and saying, "Well, evolution's you know it it's real, but somehow it works with the Bible." I mean, what do you what do you tell them about that?
0: Well, first of all, you have to define what you mean by evolution. If you mean there's little changes like chihuahuas and Great Danes having a common ancestor, well, yeah, that happens. That's called microevolution. That that's as far as it goes, though. God said they would bring forth after their kind. And a Chihuahua and a Great Dane are still the same kind of animal. It's called a dog. So <laughs> right. that's all. That's all anybody <laughs> has ever seen. It just doesn't go any further than that. But they want to imagine, SpongeBob style, that the dog and the banana are related, right. if you go back far enough in time. So I encourage kids. I, when kids go to public school and they, con- I, three of them yesterday called me, you know, nearly in tears. What do I do? I said, Well, it's very simple. Joseph was taken captive down to Egypt and had to go to the, learn the Egyptian stuff. Okay, so did Moses. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. He was learned in all the learning of the Egyptians, the Bible says. Right. Well, the Egyptians taught that life evolved from the slime on the Nile River. The slime along the side of the river came alive, and that slowly turned into human. They taught evolution in Moses' time. The Egyptians did. Right. Uh, so Moses learned all that stuff. And then God used him to write the book of Genesis and exit. Well, he actually edited Genesis. But I I tell the kids, Daniel went to school in Babylon, the heathen country of Babylon, and wrote the book of Daniel. So you can serve God anywhere. If you're forced to go to a public school where they're teaching you this evolution, I tell kids, if they ask a question on the test that says, how old is the earth? You should say, the textbook says, 4.6 4.6 billion. However, this is not correct. It's about 6,000 years old. That's really
4: let, good. That's a good way to put uh, let, it.
0: Yeah. Let the teacher know, Hey, I read the book. I learned what you want me to learn. I don't believe it.
4: Right. I, I think that's a great, great, uh, testament for young people to say like, look, stay strong in your faith. And like you said, just say, well, the textbook said, I love that because it now puts it on the textbook and then go ahead with your end of things and say, no, but I believe this because this is what my Bible says. I, that I that I enjoy a lot, um, and and kids have to understand too, not to be in fear of that. You know, um, whether you receive ridicule for it or not, it doesn't matter. You know, deal with it, uh, but know your word and stand strong on it because that Bible stayed, st- has stayed constant for so long, um, and it's just the truth behind it for sure.
2: And one of the funniest yeah. things um, is is that when he when, when Kent ever whenever I hear Kent talk about evolution, now, I think to myself like, wow, that's really stupid. But before I came to Christ about six months ago, I totally would have backed that up with no question. Oh, so the fact that yeah evolution, so the fact now I mean because every single time he said about slime off of a rock or I just giggle because it does sound just stupid,
1: right. silly.
2: <laughs>
0: it is <laughs> stupid and silly.
4: And, and you know what's funny, Kent is today right now right we've got evolutionists right running around talking about how. Everything on its own brought us this far, right, in the universe, in the world with all its complexity on its own. And yet, so why is man fighting, why are, why are evolutionists trying to fight climate change? Like, if the world brought us this far over billions of years, then I'm pretty sure it would handle itself then, right? <laughs> it's just funny to think that <laughs> yeah. now, all of a sudden, now they think the galaxy and the world and the atmosphere, everything needs their help now, you know, uh, that's quite, quite silly, isn't it?
0: It is real silly, but you can't, I don't know how to help them.
4: (laughs) No, it's, it's, uh, well, they got to want to be helped. That's for sure. One thing I've learned is it doesn't matter how much amount of evidence that you put in front of somebody, um, you know, if, if they don't want to accept it or even look at it, like I'll send someone a link here, listen to this specialist in it. They won't even watch it. They, they refuse. It's like willful ignorance, right? They don't even want to hear it. They don't want to hear it because it could possibly sway their mind. Um, and it's, that's
3: unfortunate. Um, so, Dr. Kent, uh, would you like to go and share with us some of your uh, some of your best arguments for the biblical 6,000-year-old Earth against the well, evolution narrative? First of all, I think if you
0: start off with the uh, problem, uh, the world is here. I think we can all agree we're here. So that leaves two choices. Somebody made it or it made itself. <clears throat> uh, we don't know of any way it could make itself out of nothing, so somebody else had to make it. You know if you're digging through a pile of gravel and you find a quarter you don't say wow the gravel made this quarter you know you know right. this was made by some intelligence and so the world had to have a creator now when was the creator when was this done well if i told you that my ink pen in my hand was fourteen thousand years old you'd say come on Hovind, that's made out of plastic they didn't even have plastics till after world war ii okay it was just that one simple fact narrowed my 14,000 down to 60. Hmm. So just that one fact. Right. Okay, it's less than 60 years old. I still don't know when it was made, but I know it's less than 60 years ago,
4: right? <laughs>
0: okay. So yep. you could point out this is the certain company Bic company, well they didn't come into existence till 1960. Oh, now you just narrowed me down again. <laughs> so if you look at the how to tell the age of the earth, you notice when you pick up a rock it does not talk and it does not have a date on it. So we got to try to figure out. It doesn't have made in China it. written on it. <laughs> yeah, it, does, doesn't, no, it, doesn't
4: it doesn't have a, a, so, a care tag pre- pressed on no, where you can read so, it. You know?
0: So how do you tell? Well, if you look at things like the moon is going around the earth, I think almost everybody would agree with that. The yeah. moon goes around the earth once every 28 days. Okay. Well, they notice that the moon is gradually getting farther away from the earth. The moon is spiraling away very slowly, about an inch and a half a year. It's been measured very carefully for a long time. <clears throat> and they say, okay, the moon is leaving. Nobody argues about that. Okay. Well then that, like, duh, that means it used to be closer.
2: Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, if you bring the moon back in closer, you start to cause a problem because the tides get higher. It's the moon and the gravity of the moon pulling on our oceans that makes the tides. And so, if you brought the moon closer, the tides would be higher because there's a law in physics called the inverse square law. It's like two magnets that are attracted to each other. The closer you get them, the stronger the attraction yeah. becomes. Same thing with light and gravity, et cetera. Okay. So when they do all the math on this, they say, man, if we started bringing the moon back in closer an inch and a half a year, you go back 6,000 years. It's no problem. You know, it's 9,000 inches closer. You want to go back 6 million years? Whoa. Now you're going to have a problem. You want to go back 60 million or 600 million? It, they, they've just, they say at about 1.2 billion years ago, the orbit would collapse. The moon could not have been orbiting the earth 1.2 billion years ago, but the textbooks are saying the earth is 4.6 billion years old. Well, it was kind of like the ink pen. If I said it's 14,000 years old, you'd say, no, it's not. Can't be it's gotta yeah. be less than 60. Just that one factoid, the moon is leaving us, reduces the age of the Earth-Moon system to less than 1.2 billion years. Now, the problem is, they they need billions of years. If I told you if you kiss a frog, it'll turn to a prince, everybody would agree that's a fairy tale. But if I told you if you wait billions of years, your frog will turn to a prince, oh, now that's modern science. (laughs)
4: Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's still a fairy tale. Right. Still a fairy tale. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: So in terms of the moon, there is the theory that, you know, an asteroid collided with the Earth, creating one of the the pits for the sea, one of the seas, I don't know which sea it is, the Pacific Ocean, let's say. It created the the crater for the Pacific Ocean to form and and collect its water, and then that explosion let's say created you know the rotation of the earth that we created the moon to circle around the moon do you think that has any sort of solidity to it or do you think that's just trying to be made up with the whole you know age of the earth and stuff like that
0: yeah that's that's been proven wrong in at many levels many decades ago that is simply not true it's called the ejection theory something hit the earth and a piece popped out and became the moon well first of all the moon is nearly perfectly round Oh, that makes sense. very 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 close to a perfect ball. <clears throat> the Pacific Ocean is like 12,000 miles wide and 2 miles deep. 2.
1: Yeah, okay. Right.
0: Oh, okay. So the moon is <laughs> 20, the moon is 2100 miles in diameter. No, there is the moon did not come out of the Pacific Ocean. There's there's too many things that are perfect about the moon's shape and about the moon's orbit. Now, it is inclined 10% to the earth it doesn't circle around above our equator. It's it's tilted off 10 degrees. And I think that's for good reason. That causes the tides not to become just simply stagnant, you know, up, down, up, down, but it, it it's, it's a constant shuffling to keep everything stirred up. I don't think life could exist, on certain types of life certainly could not exist on earth if the moon weren't there lifting and lowering the tides. And the moon is not only in perfect orbit around the earth, it's the perfect distance, uh, and the moon acts as a, it, it runs interference for us. And a lot of stuff that is headed toward the earth, rocks and debris and jump flying through space that would hit the earth, the moon hits the moon instead. <clears>
1: mm. Wow. So so, there's just too I mean,
2: many, too many perfects involved for it, that to exactly. be. <laughs> you know, I, I was uh, uh,
4: in a forum the other day, just, you know, chit-chatting back and forth with a bunch of uh, people that were not Christian, you know. And um, it's just amazing uh, how much they w- want to ignore the, the, the statistical probability of what it is they even try to teach, right? That, okay, everything, you know, let's talk about the big bang theory and this, you know, explosion, you go through all these different things and all these, now here we are today with, with millions and billions of processes, not only right here in front of us, it's inside of us or outside of us throughout the entire globe, throughout the entire world, the universe and all these things that are working together, right? Just to make it possible for us to be alive and to be where we're at and, And for them to even imagine that being uh, just over time, accidental, you know, uh, accidentally on purpose, however you wanna say it, over billions of years, I asked them. I said, why don't one of you guys, since you seem to be so, you know, scientific or whatever, why don't you pull together with your math friends, your statistics friends, and your science friends, and go ahead and calculate the probability of what you're saying. And then, you know, (laughs) then go out and play the lottery every day because yeah, yeah. at this point it, it would be <laughs> yeah. the lottery would look like you could win every moment, you know, at that point. Cause I don't even know if their calculator will be able to hold up to the statistical probability of, of the evolution theory. And in, in general, it's, um, it, it's, it's so far reaching,
3: you know? Yeah. I believe it's uh it's 10 to the 164th power probability in a, in math. I think the statistical probability is any, uh, uh, the statistics of, Impossibility is like ten to the fifty-first power. Yeah. Anything past that is is considered Impop- mathematically impossible. impossible. And the evolution in, uh, evolution theory, I believe, is calculated to be to the hundred sixty-fourth power.
2: <laughs> so one one question I did have for you, Kent, is you know to what point do scientists? Uh, to, to me, I don't have any sort of degree. I don't have any sort of. Uh, I, I, I'm not as smart as someone that may have a doctorate or even just a bachelor's degree in science any of that stuff. Where at what, at what point does this stop because we don't have degrees and we can see that it's quite silly. So how are I mean is it just blind blind ignorance? Is it just willful willful ignorance? Like at what point does this stop where someone says maybe creation is the right answer?
0: Well, I don't think you need a degree at all. You've got common sense. I mean, you can look and see dogs produce dogs. A five-year-old will tell you that. Right. Amen. Now, s- secondly, many people are educated way beyond their intelligence.
4: <laughs> I, I, I love that one. I love that one.
0: <laughs> so... You could know. have so many. You could have so many degrees. They call you Doctor Fahrenheit, but that doesn't mean you know
3: anything.
4: <laughs> oh, I always love your. Humor.
3: I, I, I like to always say uh, they study themselves retarded.
4: Yeah, I like literally. They, ah, that's they, a good one. They, they just keep I mean, he's going. going. <clears throat> um,
0: well, yeah. first of all, you first, first of all you get a BS, and we all know what that is. Right. And then you get <laughs> then you get MS. That's more of the same. Right. And then you get PhD. That's piled higher and deeper. <laughs>
4: Oh, I love it. I love it. love it. Love it. Um, Dr. Kent, you know, one other thing, too, like uh, another theory that's out there where, again, where Christians are mingling, trying to mingle you know, evolution to some extent, if nothing else, you get the gap theory, right? You get the gap theory right. out there. Um, and I find it very easy from a Christian standpoint to shoot that down. Um, because I've had people, well, you know, this day and this day was like a thousand years. Like they try to, they try to like twist the scripture in, in many ways. And I don't know about you, but my, my favorite part really to point them to is it's like you go in Genesis chapter one and you go, whether you go to verse five, eight, 13, 19, 23, and 31. And what's beautiful is God has put it in here to make sure you were not confused about what he meant when he said a day. Because in each one of those verses, it says, and the evening and the morning were the third day. You know, on the third day, and the evening and the morning were the second day, and so on as it goes through. So he's, it's not many moons, it's not many evenings, it's not many mornings. It's literally quoting one, one, you know, morning to night, boom, there it is, that's the day to, to, avoid that confusion. So how in the world is it that Christians would even start to entertain something like the gap theory? How, do, how did that happen?
0: Well, it's worse than that. I mean, on day uh, three, God made the plants. On day four, he made the sun. Hello, how the plants going to live with no sun for thousands or millions of years, you know? <laughs>
4: Very true. See, and that's yeah. that's the beauty of of of, you know, digging deeper and going. And I don't know about you, do you find that you get a lot of Christians that want to talk about the Bible that but that don't actually know the Bible. Like
0: Oh, yeah. See, they don't want to submit to that authority. That's the real problem. They like to feel oh. superior. Is the book over you or are you over the book?
4: That's good. Very, very good. I like that. Submit to the authority that, of the Bible. That's why
0: they like that's why people like all these other Bible versions and even the concept of <laughs> let's go ahead and make a new Bible version. Let's make it say what we want it to say.
4: Yeah, I don't I don't like that at all. Me, I'm a King James Version all day long, always have yeah. been. If I give Bibles out, it's in King James. I've always heard people say, well, isn't that hard to read? I'm like, you know what? I- I've got people in Africa that request the-, the English version of King James Bibles. So if they can read it and it's not their native tongue, then, then you ought to be able to read it. If not, then you're, you're being very lazy <laughs> at the end of the day, well, you know.
0: And you, you can't even go seven words into the Bible without seeing a difference. King James says, in the beginning, God created the heaven, singular. All the other ones I'm aware of say he made it the heavens plural. Right. So you got a mistake or a problem, at least a contradiction, in the in the on the seventh word. And it gets worse from there so,
4: yeah. yeah I know it's like when you do that study you know folks uh, when you're listening out there I mean if you really get into the study of all the changes in these scriptures and what's going on it's it's dangerous the devil is smart uh, he's smart enough to take take the Bible allow it to be produced but he'll reproduce it uh, in changing and taking glory away from a God from God and and you know and his miraculous power and things like that and they start to change the meaning of verses and not to mention. There's a lot of them that omit verses as well, uh, that I've oh. learned, and it's dangerous.
0: Well, the first thing Satan did in the Garden of Eden was twist God's words. He took God hath said, three words, and changed it to hath God said.
4: <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> he started off his career that way. He's like, been doing he, it ever since.
4: Yeah, did he really say that? <laughs> Start yeah, putting doubt yeah. in your mind? I think it might have been more like, I think he was saying this. Yes, uh, the, the clever, the master of deceit, uh, for sure. Absolutely.
2: So, so we've, we've kind of covered a lot about evolution. I, I wanted to talk to you about the flood just because uh, when I newly became a Christian, I, I watched a lot of your information about the flood. So I had a few questions for you I wanted to throw your way. Um, <laughs> and the first thing, really, let's let's start off with, with Dinosaur Adventureland. Where did you come up with that name and um, it, it, you know, when if someone's not a Christian and they see Dinosaur Adventureland, they may be thinking that it's a museum. It, it's got a lot of fossils. So, you know, what what aspect target-wise were you trying to go with with the name let's say dinosaur adventure land
0: well the world and the the heathen i guess are constantly using dinosaurs to teach their theory of evolution they can teach they can start to teach evolution concepts to a four-year-old before he can even read because four-year-olds are very fascinated by dinosaurs many four-year-olds can name 50 of them you know (laughs) pronounce all these hard names and they can't even read yet so I said, you know, the devil is using God's creatures, the dinosaurs to spread his lie. Let's use the same thing. Uh, and the devil's smart, what he does works.
4: It, yeah, so let's I'll, use I'll, the
0: I'll, same I'll, thing to teach the truth. And so kids love dinosaurs. We have a science center, a museum, all kinds of activities here that teach science lessons. It's really, really fun. And so, but we, we use God's creatures, the dinosaurs to give him the glory instead of to teach
2: kids that came from a rock. I see. I see that's most awesome. definitely. Now, when we when let's say I were to go into a museum, your museum, any any museum, and I'm seeing these full skeletons of of a transverse rex, let's say. How complete is that? I know there's a lot of evidence out there that says, mm-hmm. you know, they're barely any complete you know what was what is your opinion on their completion?
0: Uh many of them are, are not complete, but that, that's not an argument worth making. I don't fight with them at all about what did they look like, how big were they? Forget it. It's not worth it.
3: Oh, well, it's that makes true. sense.
0: Some have been some have been built on some really tiny fossil fragments, you know, uh, but it doesn't matter. The fact is, it, th- w- what they look like doesn't matter to me. I don't uh, when they lived. That's that's important. That's I the see. argument. You got to gotta fight out. the so fight. So just, it's it, worth fighting. It's a, yeah. There, there's a distraction, I think. <laughs>
2: um,
4: and uh, James, you had another question. Yeah, also for I
2: mean, just let, now let's let's move to the flood. You know, we 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 find a lot of dinosaur bones. I, I had a question. Um, that I, I was posed to me by, by a good friend of mine that I'm trying to you know witness to. They asked, why don't we find um, as many human bones as we do dinosaur bones, if there were, which there were, humans before the Great Flood. Is, do you have, happen to have an answer for that?
0: Yeah, it's pretty simple. A couple things I would consider here. When God made the world, it was full of animals and full of plants and not full of people. There were only two people. Correct. Six. 1600 years later when the flood came it is still full of plants and full of animals and still not full of people correct i mean they waited they waited till they're 100 years old to have kids
2: (laughs) every time i every time i look look something up with you in it i feel so silly (laughs) well so i I would well the first the first thing
0: i would say is they probably were a lot less people to drown than there were animals they just weren't as many Uh, there secondly people are smarter than animals at least some people (laughs) And so <clears throat> they would probably, they'd probably figure out a way to avoid drowning until the last possible minute. You know, they'd grab on floating log mat or quick build a raft or, you know, try to survive for a few weeks or months. So people would avoid drowning until the last minute, which means they would be buried on top and that they would not fossilize. It makes sense. You have to be buried under the ground to fossilize. So anything like after any flood, if the animals land on top, they simply decay, decompose. Uh, they don't, turn to a fossil. <clears throat> Correct. So I think the, the third thing to consider is probably the people before the flood were much larger, like much larger, 10, 12, 14 feet tall is one, you know, who knows? The Bible says there were giants in the earth in those days, and they were living lo- lots longer, like 900 years, according to Genesis chapter uh, chapter 5. And so maybe they're finding fragments or bones and not recognizing them as humans. Mm. They're saying, "Wow, look at the size of this thing! This must be a, a you know, giant, a giant sloth, <laughs> or a dinosaur." So those are those are some considerations. Of, now, first of all, there have been a lot of human bones found that would almost have to be from Noah's flood, but it's not nearly as many as other creatures makes, like
2: that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Fantastic. Fantastic. So.
3: Okay. So a couple questions on that as well, Doctor Kent. Um, now we have found. Uh, evidence of humans being buried in the same stratified layers as dinosaurs—we've seen that with the uh, the Avis Delkin uh, area, of, I think that's over in North Carolina—and um, we we do find these over over the world where dinosaurs and humans do share the same grave in the same stratified layers. Uh, do you do you think that is a complete nuke to the entire argument that they lived in separate times?
0: That that is one of many nukes that goes there. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we need to find the the bones together. No one has ever found human and chicken bones in the same rock strata. Huh. Does that prove humans and chickens did not live at the same time? Right. Uh, no, chickens are still alive with humans. I got some in my yard out here. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so I think that the finding the bones together is not necessary for the argument if some are still alive. Right. There have been thousands of sightings, like Loch Ness monster, Lake Champlain monster. You know, in the Congo swamp in Africa, Mokili and Bembe, and I covered that on my video number three. Seminar part three, drdino.com, you can go there and watch that right online, I believe. But uh, there's just been overwhelming number of sightings of dinosaurs that may still be alive. So finding the bones together, it would be interesting, and I think it's been done, but it's a moot point if some are still alive, like finding human and chicken bones together would probably not make the front page of the newspaper. Right,
3: right. (laughs) And to give people an idea of like some of the dinosaurs that have been sighted, uh, because me, myself, Dr. Ken, I, I do love looking into this and there are tens of thousands of sightings every single year. There's, there's actually entire websites that are built as databases for dinosaur sightings. Um, we we've seen, um, in South America that there've been sightings of Ankylosauruses. Uh, we've seen pterodactyl sightings here in the United States and in Indonesia and in Africa. Uh, also in Africa, we see solar pod sightings like Mokali Mbembe and, and even some tri- uh, Triceratops sightings, uh, which the natives in uh, Africa call Nagobu. Um, so it's very interesting to see that there are still tens of thousands of these sightings recorded every single year from different people. Uh, I do think that there's something to look into. Uh, for me, myself, I like to maintain what I call the 99.5% rule. Uh, of all sightings, I, I'll, I'll be willing to go and give the skeptic the advantage and say 99.5% of all sightings and recordings of these creatures are either misidentifications or fakes, right? But then I say, but 0.5% of them are real true sightings, right? But if you take 0.5% of tens of thousands, you're still going to get well over a few hundred legit legitimate sightings of, of creatures that should be by mainstream definition extinct, but they're not.
0: Yeah, and it only takes one to prove the point.
2: Yeah, most right. definitely. Exactly.
0: Right. Yeah, and there have been thousands that I think are irrefutable saying, Look, we I had... uh, I talked to Sandy Mancy, who saw the Lake Champlain monster and watched it for ten minutes with her husband and two kids. Hmm. She was just twenty five yards away. I, I held up a plesiosaur, the swimming dinosaur, long neck, four flippers. I said, Sandy, is this what you saw? She said, That's what I saw.
2: Hmm.
0: I said, awesome. Sandy, I said, Sandy, come on now, do you think you saw a dinosaur? She said, no, I know
2: I saw a dinosaur. That right there is freaking evidence. Yep, if they yep. say, I think, I think, the fact that she stopped and says, I know, she saw something. Right, right. She ain't well, making her, that up.
0: Yeah, and her interviews right there on my video, uh, number three, Dinosaurs in the Bible. And people can get my whole seminar, 18 hours, where I talk fast and use lots of slides
4: <laughs> for 50 bucks. And yeah, it's 50 and, bucks for the
3: whole thing. And Call Ma-
4: 855-BIG-DINO. And
3: Mason can speak testament to that. Oh, yeah. I, um uh i started watching your videos and seminars uh years ago dr kent and i've 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 purchased uh you know a lot of your mo- the majority of your library that you have for creation science uh increasing sci- other creation sci- scientists uh i've know your curriculum very well <laughs> i've listened <laughs> okay. over and over again i'm i i love it it's it's great because it actually uses the logic and real science to refute the evolution narrative. And it's so easy, it, it, you know, because when I was growing up in high school, I didn't know how to answer the evolution question. So I used to adhere to the gap theory, and I used to adhere to all these things in the Bible that try to twist the scriptures to make the evolutionary uh, evolutionary narrative fit. And then when I saw your videos, and I was listening to all your refutations to it, and all the actual historic da- historical data from why the, why uh, people even believe that the earth was millions of years old. I was like, there's no reason to believe in any of this. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to refute.
4: So, and I would like to say, cause uh, you know, I'm, I'm Mason's father. So uh, it's a blessing for him to, to have gotten to that. Cause when we started affinity Christian ministries, uh, Mason, you know, I, I obviously wanted my sons involved and I just, you know, he was trying to find his spot, if you will. Like what's, what's my calling and, and, um, And so it was a blessing when he he came across your information and started listening, started learning, and then all of a sudden his passion just came alive. And that was it from that moment. Uh, Mason's like, uh, you know, creation. This is this is what I want to talk on, and it was great because that's something me myself I never focused on. Um, really, I'm I'm end times all, all, all the way, and so you know, Mason fit in there perfectly from you know the beginning of the scripture and creation and and the supernatural, uh, the the giants, you know, the Bible and stuff like that. Because what I found is is we found like when we do Bible studies and things like that. We're able to really wrap people up uh, from, from beginning to ending, you know, from prophecy, showing them what's going on today and what is coming to, you know, creation and all that and be able to bring it together. And what, it, what we've noticed is it literally brings the Bible to life for people in a way that they're not getting that at church. They're not getting it at school. They're not getting it anywhere else. Um, and, I, and I see a thirst for it. I mean, the, the, it's amazing how um, wide-eyed people get when they start hearing and seeing this and they get to see these slides and things that uh, Mason puts together that, you know, come from material that you have and all that and put it together. And it's just amazing. They're just like, wow, you know, how come I haven't been taught this stuff?
3: Right. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. Dr. Ken, you, uh, your ministry has been a great blessing to many people and I've been uh, I do, uh, you know, I, I purchased uh, some of your slides from you and you have a rule uh, uh, too, that you're the only person I've seen. You're complete unique in this way where you can purchase your material You can copy it, you can paste it, you can share it with as many people as you want, and you can still return it to your ministry, and you will refund them for it. Which, Well,
0: I I started off just simply loaning out videos. I learned immediately that Christians don't steal, but they borrow and never return. (laughs) (laughs) I
4: said,
0: said, whoa, 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 we got to figure out a way to stop the bleeding here.
3: (laughs) Right, right. Oh,
4: fair enough, fair enough. So Um, I, I... Oh, go ahead um actually you know what i want to ask you so as we talked about you know those silver bullets if you will <clears throat> as we're segueing a little bit here what if if you were to say okay like today right now if i just wanted to give i don't know whether it's three or five or you know i don't know, ten or whatever like your silver bullets for the science, because I, you know, obviously uh, atheists are well-read, um, which is what usually destroys most Christians. Um, their inability to stand up to when an atheist is talking about science. So if you were to say, okay, as a Christian, listen, write these you, down, <laughs> write these down, these, these five things or whatever it is, and just, just quote this, you know, it's the law of this and that undoes that, you know, what would you, what is your favorite, like your just favorite tools that whip out and be like, well, this, this, and this, that shuts that down. Is there anything well, s- simplified?
0: First of all, I, I tell them science, the word science comes from the Latin word seer, which means to know, what do we know? And then you got to figure out how do we know this? Well, we have five senses, you know, sight, taste, touch, et cetera. The word science means things that we know based upon observation, testing, and experimentation. You can do experiments and show, hey, things are pulled toward the middle of the earth, gravity. And then you can do experiments and measure how fast they're pulled. And you can develop laws like the law of gravity and the inverse square law. Science deals with what we can observe. All we've ever observed in all of human history is dogs produce dogs. There are no exceptions, none. Now, if somebody wishes to believe it was different long ago and far away, that's fine. I don't care what they believe, but they should admit that's their religion. It's no longer part of science. And to say that an amoeba turned into a dog over billions of years is simply stupid. It's not science. Right. Oh, they can believe it. I don't care what they believe, but they want me to pay to have that taught to all the kids like it's science. It's not part of science. Science is limited to things we can observe, study, test, and demonstrate.
4: Okay, perfect. Si- so, so we've got that first piece right there. Science is to observe, right? Observe. It's like a mall cop, right? Observe and report. Um, <laughs> yep. uh, and so, and then, so what we've observed is kind produces kind, and that's that. That's all we've observed. Anything else, like you said, is nothing more than a made up. It's made up stuff just to kind of maybe fit a different narrative or whatever. But it's not observed, so therefore, it's no longer science. Like you said, it now it's a religion.
0: Right, and it should not be in science class. True. I was in a debate yesterday with somebody, and they said, well, maybe we should teach both creation and evolution in science. I said, no, no, we should teach neither. You don't have to have anything about evolution to teach biology. Hey, kids, learn the muscles and the bones. This is the biceps, the triceps, the flexors, the radials, the carpals. You don't need to learn. And origins has nothing to do with it. Correct. You can, learn, you can learn everything about a car, how it functions, how it works, how to replace the brakes, how to change the spark plugs and and have no clue how the car evolved, right? Who who doesn't matter who created it or how it got here. Here's the
4: car. Yep. Learn to change the brakes, you yeah, know. Yeah, you don't walk through the factory to say okay, how was this thing put together. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's it, not necessary.
3: It's no. funny so, cuz I, I actually uh, I actually work at Ford Motor Company, uh, Dr. Kent on the assembly line and uh, you know, I I help build the commercial vehicles there, but I don't know how to work on them
0: (laughs) (laughs) well see that's the thing i worked at general motors for going through college and loved it assembly line stuff but um so understanding the origins is unrelated to the operation of the machine it doesn't matter how it got here here's how it works kid you push this button and this happens Mm. so i think every farmer in every country of the world in all of history will tell you cows produce cows corn produces corn there are no exceptions correct none i mean when they plant their corn they expect to harvest corn
4: <laughs> how weird would that be i know it's, it's the gamble right you go out there well we planted we'll find out what comes up later this that's year right. <laughs> <laughs> could be anything that's a lot of days in the soil um that's right uh, it could change <laughs> it could change um so 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 we've got that one so another another silver bullet that you like to use
0: well, the, the fact that all of human observation tells us, you know, things produce after their kind, well, there are no exceptions to that. Then I, I go usually into some of the evidences that this earth cannot possibly be billions of years old. So even if, if they wish to imagine that these changes could add up, if you gave it a long time, maybe the changes could add up to something else. Okay, maybe they could. But what if you take away time? If you take away time, now they're stuck. And I say, hey guys, step outside, look at the sun, and notice the sun is burning. I think you can see the flames leap off if you get a good telescope. (laughs) The the sun is, is burning, okay? They've studied it for a long time and determined the sun is burning up and using up 5 million tons of fuel every second. Wow. Well, If it's burning up 5 million tons every second, that means if we go back in time we'd have to add 5 million tons per second to the sun. Okay. Well, sooner or later, that's gonna create a problem because the sun's gonna get heavier and heavier in our imaginary trip back in time. And if the sun is heavier, it's got stronger gravity, which influences the circle of all the planets going around it. Now we on the earth happen to be in a place called the Goldilocks zone, not too hot, not too cold. (laughs) We are just right. If we were closer, like Venus, we would burn up. If we were further, like Mars, we would freeze. So, how far back in time can you go with the Sun, adding time to this, adding mass to the Sun in our imaginary trip back in time, before this becomes a problem and it starts to suck all the planets into the Sun? Right. To say that to say that the planets have been in this perfect orbit for billions of years is is ludicrous.
4: Right. Um, and I, I know it's 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 funny how. Uh easy they can stamp the billions because as soon as they put the stamp on it of billions the human brain really kind of shuts off right there it's like oh well nobody's ever going to be able to verify that there's no way i mean like there's nothing that will ever verify no one no humans will ever be able to confirm you know not in the future not nothing and it's like you look at that and it's like your god right is now billions of years for them you exactly know, at the right. end of the day, that's where they, they said, well, where we put God, they put billions of years and they go, you know, it's on accident and it's, it's kind of nuts. And, and I explain it to people. Do you realize that it's harder to believe in the, in, in this all going on on its own, bringing us to this point than it is to believe it's got a creator. There's nothing in your life that you walk around and you see with your eyes that you don't think has a creator, it, whether it be, okay, there's a tree there. And you would ask somebody, like you said, even a child, how does the tree get there? Oh, well, there was a seed. A child knows, well, there had to be a seed in that spot. Or somebody, you know, dug and transplanted a tree there, and it grew over lots of time. It, you know, there's nothing else behind that. So when we see landscaping on a house, we don't say, wow, man, evolution really did nice here. You know, it's because there was a plan to, to make the landscaping look that way and so on. But, uh, you know, the buildings that we have, you know, I always tell people when I was in college, I mean, you know, you know me, I'm I'm all for God, so my my college papers all reflected that, and of course I got a lot of uh, pushback from teachers, but uh, being fearless and and a little bit scary too um, helped my cause. But you know it's like we're standing in buildings, and it's like okay, this building's made out of concrete and brick, you know, uh, so who believes that this building is is billions of years old, you know, and and they would look at you like oh, duh, like well well why do you say I'd ask them why do you say this building isn't it very well could be. This stuff is made from the ground. This is dirt. It's sand. It's Portland. It's clay, right? That's all made. this. So it actually technically, according to evolution theory, with, you know, wind and erosion and compression. Not even evolution, just the big bang theory that it could just appear. This whole thing would be here from these natural earth resources, so why not? You know, and they're like, well, because look, each brick is so similar to the next brick and so on. And they're literally talking about the pieces of this, right? And I said, and, and... So you're inside this building. You say, well, these bricks all look very similar and they're put in a certain way to make this whole structure stand up. And I asked him, I said, are you confident that this structure won't collapse on you? Well, yeah. I said, Why? Well, because they use engineers and no, no, no. Oh, <laughs> they,
2: yeah. they, built it.
4: Yeah, so an engineer, <laughs> right, had to engineer this. But quite frankly, here you are on planet Earth with all these things happening so the structure stays up and you stay alive. And you look at human to human to human to human who are all very similar. You know, we've got eyes, we've got ears, we've got nose, we got mouth. We're like, we, we understand the process. And you're going to say, no, these humans, no, no, they were well, I'll tell you, what, they, those happened on their own. But those bricks... Those bricks had to be man-made, you know, and it's it's funny to, to see their look like, okay, that does seem a little silly to, to to start to look at the complexity of a human and says that happens on its own and look at the simplicity of a, of a single brick and go, that can't be erosion. That can't be a billion-year-old brick, you know, and it, it had to be men touched it, you know, so I don't know. It's, it's frustrating sometimes to uh, watch the circus of it all, you know.
0: Well, see, you got in P- Second Peter, chapter three. He said the scoffers are willingly ignorant. Yeah. They're ignorant of the creation, the flood, and the coming judgment because that would have to change everything about their lifestyle. I was at, speaking at Berkeley University. Nobody would debate me, so I just spoke for an hour and really angered some <laughs> of the atheists out there. Afterwards, this big old football player came up to my sales table, looking at you know, my videotapes. People are buying my videos and books, and he said he was fuming. He said evolution is a fact. I said, I said, calm down, son, calm down. I said, let me ask you a question. Suppose what I said tonight was true. Suppose there's a creator, and you chose to accept that. Would that change your lifestyle any? He was real quiet for almost a minute. He said, man, that would change everything. I said, All right, good. Now let me ask you a second question. Have you chosen to believe in evolution because you really have some evidence? Or because you like the freedom it gives you from God's rules? He was real quiet again for a minute. He said, well, I believe in evolution because I'm horny. I said, okay, son, every male of every species, from termites to whales, understands that one. (laughs) But that doesn't give you a right to reject God. Like, hello?
3: Right, right. So, so Doctor, can I got three more questions for you, and then we're going to move on to some end times discussion, okay? Okay. uh, Let's talk about the geologic column, because what people who believe in the evolutionary theory do not know is that the entire backbone of the evolutionary model is built upon the geologic column, which does not exist by multiple uh, science uh, science uh, science books that were passed down in school like uh, in uh, HBJ Earth Science or Holt Science that they even said that there's no such thing as the geologic column. It doesn't exist anywhere. And people don't realize that this is the backbone of the millions and billions of years argument that the evolutionary model is completely reliant on the geologic column. So uh, let's go and hear your... um hear your stance on that
0: well the geologic column is that the layers of rock that they've given names to you know cenozoic mesozoic paleozoic all that stuff jurassic triassic you're right the geologic column does not exist anywhere on earth except in the textbooks and they're always telling the kids the top layer is younger than the bottom layer i say really where'd that top layer come from outer space (laughs) how how can the top layer be younger they were all here at the same time they got reshuffled with a flood right right i mean if you take take a deck of cards and shuffle it up does that mean the top card is younger than the bottom card (laughs) no they're all just shuffled okay Hmm. so the flood of noah would automatically sort the dirt and rocks based upon a lot of different factors the density Tell you what, get a jar of, of dirt and rock, water, and put in a rock and a feather, <clears throat> and shake the jar up for ten minutes, and then set it down. I bet ninety nine percent of the time the feather's going to end up on top, and the rock's going to end up on the bottom, just because feathers are are less dense than rocks. Right. So the animals would automatically be sorted based upon their body density. They point out to the kids that clams are found at the bottom of the geologic column because clams evolve first. I say, no guys, clams are at the bottom because they're already at the bottom when the flood started. That's where they live, <laughs> right?
3: Right, right. And,
0: and clam shells are heavier than bird feathers. <clears throat> you know, birds are found on top of the so-called geologic column because birds are the last ones to drown in a flood. Hello. <laughs> they fly around till they run out of gas.
3: Right. This has right.
0: nothing to do with evolution. Right. Nothing to do. It, and they're sorted on top because bird feathers are hollow. Their bones are hollow. Birds have lots of uh, sacks of air throughout their bodies because they're lightweight. They fly. Hello. And so clams are found at the bottom because clamshells are heavy. So the sorting that we do see, and it is not uniform all over the world, but the general right. sorting is because of hydrologic sorting. Water automatically sorts things by density by surface tension with the water and friction, it's got nothing to do with evolution. So you're right, the geologic column doesn't exist, but any order that there is, is much more easily explained by being buried rapidly in a flood. And then when you see polystrate fossils, petrified trees standing up, connecting all the layers, you say, wait a minute, did that tree stand there for millions of years waiting for the next layer to come on top? (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's a one patient tree I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and 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 tough too. I mean the bark didn't even fall off. Man, that thing. Uh yeah. we have dead tree dead trees on our property here. They stand there a couple of years and fall over. <clears throat> like
3: right. duh, you know. And uh Dr. I've heard you um explain this before in uh, quite a few of your debates pertaining to the flood of the Bible. Now, when people bring up well well, you know, not everything is always in uh, correct density, that there are more dense objects that are below, that are on top of lighter objects. And I've heard you explain uh, this that, well, that would, it would be the case if it all happened at the same oh. time, but it didn't happen at the same time, happening during the same flood. So would you be able to uh, uh, elaborate on, on why we would find denser uh, objects of higher density on top of those of lower density in the in the stratified well, yeah. uh, layers?
0: Sure. Every time the tide goes up and down, It's going to create a whole new sequence of strata. So you might have a dense object on the bottom of a new strata layer that was formed by the next tide the next day. So or the next month. Oh, that
2: makes so much sense. Each
0: each tide going up and see, today the tide starts coming up and it bangs into something like North America, South America, Africa. The tide gets interrupted. So the earth has big bumps called continents sticking up out of the water and they interrupt the tide. All right, it's a well-known phenomenon. Uh, if, if there were no continents sticking up out of the water, like during Noah's flood, and by the way, today, if you push the continents down and level, it's just smooth out the earth, just as is, there's enough water in the oceans right now to cover the earth 8,000 feet deep. Hey. That's a mile and a half. <clears throat> if the earth were smoother and were covered with water, just the tides going up and down, they would become harmonic very quickly. And like a musician can tell, you pluck one string and three more start vibrating, the ones you didn't even touch, harmonics. A harmonic tide on the earth would be about a 200-foot tidal change Hmm. every six hours, 25 minutes. Well, if the water came up 200 feet, uh, uh, if the water came up 200 feet, it would uh, uh, lift and come rushing in from the sides. Uh, the water coming, the water coming sideways to keep that bump full, would be equal to the speed of the Earth at that latitude. <laughs> I mean, we're we're at 31 degrees north latitude in Lenox, Alabama. So if the water came up 200 feet here, the water would have to rush sideways at nearly 900 miles an hour for a couple hours. And sideways moving water would take all the rocks and roll them against each other and round them off. Yep. And all over the world, gravel is rounded like it was in a big rock tumbler.
4: Right. Because hmm. it was. Yep. When it reaches
0: high, it would reach high tide and sit still for an hour or so. And all the small stuff settles out and makes a layer of sand or clay. We've got that. I showed you guys the cliff down there. We've got seven layers of gravel, sand, clay, gravel, sand, clay. They go all the way to North Carolina from here.
4: Yep. Yep.
0: That was Noah's flood.
4: And, and quite a, quite a uh, amount, too, of that washed Uh, gravel that's in there that is nice and rounded and smooth all all through it you know because with it with those rocks being in with that sand that sand works just like any tumbler as a kid i had a rock tumbler and and it's amazing you know what what just a little bit going on in the tumbler does to smooth and polish so yeah in that area you know i can imagine uh with all the sand too uh from that happening so it was um beautiful uh layers though there too it was kind of a a nice setting when you see the evergreen trees in here and there and then that reddish uh, hue it was just it was beautiful out there beautiful
0: well, come back and bring –
4: don't you have two more satellite dishes you're going to bring? <laughs> I know. What's the next one that we measured out back there? I think, I think we were looking at it. It was going to be more like, what, 2,500 feet, I think, was the next step Yeah. Back.
0: Well, yeah. hey, we're ready for it.
4: <laughs> wow. Hey, a
0: guy, a guy called me two days ago. He said, Brother Holman, if you had all kinds of money, what would you do? I said, well, I don't know. I've always wanted to build the world's biggest dinosaur. Right now, the world's biggest dinosaur is in Alberta, Canada, way up there. Uh, middle of no place, Canada. It's uh, it, it's 82 feet tall. Is that all? Concrete structure. Okay? <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And they have 300,000 visitors a year come to see that thing in the middle of northern Canada where it's chilly. I've, I want to build one 100 feet tall. Cost about a million dollars. Uh, I think Lennox, Alabama needs to have on, be on the map having the world's biggest dinosaur, and we would simply use it to draw people to Christ. Inside would be a bookstore in the belly, and down the tail would be a water slide going down into one of the lakes. And All oh, around the man. outside would be rock climbing. You climb up the dinosaur wow. and rappel down off the neck. 100 <laughs> feet. It's a little... It's a little dangerous. Long ways to fall, but hey, there's a lot of kids, and you can always make another one. So, <laughs>
4: <laughs> and you know what uh, uh, would be? What a great uh, picture moment too for when you climb up and you get to the top of the dinosaur, and you're sitting on the back of his, you know, neck head area. Like, take a picture. I mean, imagine how many people would want to have that picture. Like, you're on the world's tallest dinosaur, as if back in the day, you know, and you're you're riding on him. That would be awesome. I can imagine <laughs> the amount of people that would draw.
0: Well, that's that's a someday someday project around here.
4: Right, right, um, well, uh, Mason, do you want to you segue then? we want to go into a little bit a little bit of end times yeah. um, before we wrap up Yeah, like so
3: um, I got a, I got one more question for you, Dr. Ken. It's actually we're going to go back to some of the uh, evidence of dinosaurs. We're going to talk about the Ica stones because a lot of the atheists just like to claim that all the Ica stones are completely fake because of that one instance with the uh, South American farmer. and I know that you've done extensive research on it, and you can actually uh, you I've heard you debunk that claim multiple times can you go ahead and elaborate on that for us
0: well in uh, ica peru which is down near uh, the equator uh they found uh in the 1500s the spanish came through there and said wow there are stones in the graves here people put when they bury a dead person they put stones in with them depicting things that happened in their lifetime and these stones have strange creatures on them we've never seen before. They sent some of the stones back to the king or queen, whoever of Spain. And they said, well, we don't know what this is. That's strange. So this was in the 1500s when they found these things. Uh, they're in tombs out in the desert and the, it, it almost never rains. It's rained twice in 400 years. Oh, wow. The, so it's a, it's a real dry desert. So the pe- things are preserved very well out there. The people, the mummies are wrapped up. The bodies are wrapped up in a blanket. That often has dinosaurs woven into the fabric. Now, today, a good thread, you know, like say your shirt you're wearing probably has 250 threads per inch, TPI. Well, these have 600 threads per inch, which would take a long time to weave that fabric. But and why would they put dinosaurs in there? So um, the, there's a farmer down there who owns a property where a lot of these graves are, and he digs out the stones and sells them. He was. And the government of Peru has a rule. You cannot disturb graves. They have a law. If you disturb graves, you go to jail. And going to jail in Peru is basically a death sentence because they send you to jail and they don't feed you or anything.
2: Nobody. Your family
0: better come bring you meals every day or you're going to die. And so I mean, it's, you don't want to go to jail in Peru. And so they, the police came with the authorities to this farmer and said, where are you getting these stones? He said, oh, I carved them in my shop. Of course, he, he made up that story to stay out of jail. Well, they said, carve one and show us. So he took an ice pick or a tool or something and began scratching on a stone. And it looks like child's play compared to the real ones. But they bought the story and left, or at least they pretended they bought it. Probably one of those pay off the, pay off the cops kind of story.
3: <laughs>
2: anyway,
0: and so he left. So that story still circulates today that this farmer in Peru is making these stones Guys, they were found in 1536. Okay, that's one old farmer. If he's yeah, the same right. guy <laughs> still making the stones. Okay? <laughs> Secondly, there have been over 50,000 of them found. Thirdly, the artwork is phenomenal on these things, depicting creatures. For instance, many of the dinosaurs on these Ica stones have circle patterns on the side. So you got the dinosaur, and there's circles on the side of it. And they thought, what is this? Well, they've known for a long time that alligators have spots on the back that absorb the heat they lay out in the sun and they have special spots on their back that radiate or can absorb heat to warm up quickly. These dinosaurs being reptiles apparently had spots on their skin that would allow them to warm up or dissipate body heat quickly. And so but the, see dinosaur skin wasn't found until 1998, I believe first yeah, so, fossilized dinosaur yeah. skin, and it had circle patterns on the side well, how did this farmer know to do this?
2: That's very true.
4: <clears throat> yeah, no, that's uh, – it's, you know, when, I, when I'm when i debating, and Mason does a lot of debates also, just, you know, in forums, just trying to encourage conversation, um, it is, uh, again, you get more of that willful ignorance on things and, and just ridiculous comments. And it's amazing how, how nasty uh, people get to – I mean, we've been called – everything you can imagine. I'm sure you've dealt with it yourself, you know, every (laughs) vile name you can imagine. And, and yet you maintain your calm and you just keep sticking to the facts. And you know, it just, it's like they're, well, they, they they look like Nancy Pelosi, right? They're just like losing their, they're losing their (laughs) crap right there in front of you and, ah, you know, just going nuts. So, um, it's quite interesting. Um, so so now,
3: so now we're going to go ahead and segue into our end times discussion here. Dr. Ken, we'll wrap up on this. Mm -hmm. Um, so we know that in second Peter chapter three, Jesus does say that in the last days will come scoffers and they're going to be willingly ignorant of three things, which was the original creation, the judgment of God, which came in the form of the flood in the book of Genesis and the upcoming judgment of God, which is still yet to happen. So Dr. Kent, uh, would you like to go ahead and start off on the end times discussion for us?
0: Boy, that'll go for six hours. But right. quickly, I wrote, a book, I wrote a book on the topic called What on Earth is About to Happen, for Heaven's Sake. Whoa, W-O-E. What on Earth is About <laughs> to Happen. You can get it on my website, drdino.com. D-R-D-I-N-O. The Bible teaches clearly there's going to come at the end of time, a time of great tribulation, when the heathen get so angry at the Christians that they kill them, just like happened in the early part of this uh Christian era after Jesus' disciples were all killed, except for one. That was John. And he was dipped in boiling oil to kill him, and they uh. didn't die. So they put him on the island of Patmos. So the, the world hates us. And Jesus said, Marvel not that the world hates you. This is just kind of standard warfare 101. They hate Christians. So we're going to see a seven year period coming up of great tribulation. I used to believe and teach for 40 years that we get raptured out, caught out of here before the tribulation. That's called the pre trib rapture idea. And it is not true. Well, I wish it was, but it's not. (laughs) Uh, And so we're here for the tribulation. After that, we get raptured out. There's a time of great wrath where God pours his wrath out on the world. That comes in the day of the Lord, uh, which is the thousand year period, the end of time. So I have no idea when this is gonna happen. But while I was writing my book, uh, I I published parts of it at a time on the internet. And somebody said, Brother Hovind, when do you think the Lord's coming back? I said, well, I don't know, but if I had to guess, I'd say 2028. And I give all my 10 reasons why in my book, why the, why I chose that date. And that would put this tribulation starting in 2021,
4: uh, next
2: year. I don't know if anybody realizes this, but it's 2020 right now.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's coming up quick. <laughs>
2: I mean, I don't know, and I'm not setting a date. I'm just saying if I had
0: to guess, that would be my guess. We know Jesus was not not born in the year zero. Our calendar's off. Some Catholic priest made up the Gregorian calendar that we currently use. He was probably born in about 4 B.C. So our our calendar's messed up, which means he would have been crucified in about the year 28 on our current calendar. (laughs) Now, why on earth are we calculating our calendar from the birth of Christ? What did that change? We should be figuring our calendar from the resurrection. Yeah that's when everything changed. Right. So really, we should we should go from the year 28. And almost all things in the Bible happen, you know, right on a, right on schedule on a 1000 year mark There are major events, you know, like the call of Abraham to start the Hebrew nation, the call of King David, since uh, 1000 BC. So I just suspect that uh, in 2028, it's going to be 2000 years from the resurrection. And that'll be the end of, of the ge- time of the Gentiles. Hmm. And and we're going to, God's going to come back. So,
4: yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because um, uh, with the end times, it's something that, uh, I, you know, I love to, to specialize in and not that um, I always tell people like, look, I'm not trying to um, be able to identify every little step of every little piece. Like you get lost in the weeds, you know, so to speak. Right. And, but right. I, I do like to focus on the things right. That are a little bit easier to spot. Um, and to simplify the process and say, look, there's going to be a lot of other things going on in here and in between that you could miss. There's some things, you know, when we look at the prophecy and revelation that if you have the imagination that this piece is so devastating and it's global, um, then you're, you could look right past an event that already occurred, um, at a different level or was on the other side of the planet because, you know, you didn't witness yourself this piece or that all of a sudden, you know, you think it hasn't happened yet. So for for myself, I like to, you know, when people, what I found was when you talk about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, I did find out sometimes I argued with people that just didn't know, like, really what that meant. So, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. So what I started doing was saying, okay, well, listen, where in Revelation do you see the rapture? You know, that was what I started getting down to, because maybe we agree on the exact same verse in the Bible, you know, of where it's it's happening. And and so at that point, we actually agree where it's happening. It's just the, the, the moments leading up to that you said, is either pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib a little bit, Uh, because I've had some people say, well, you know, the trib is, you know, this goes all the way down through God's wrath, and, you know, and other things like that, and so, you know, I I did a teaching on that there with the um, uh, Mark of the Beast and uh, Rapture, uh, particularly, and what I I found was is, you know, people have always said, you know, Lord can come back any day, and I've always said to myself now as an adult, right, is no, no, he can't, prophecy must happen, right, must be fulfilled in order for him to return. And there's multiple things that have to occur. But as Christians, you know, they want that warm, fuzzy feeling, right, that we're not going to have to endure, like you said, it'd be nice. But unfortunately, that's not the truth. And and I always ask him, where's your scripture? Because the whole time Jesus was here, all he did was say, you're going to be hated, beaten, killed, scourged, you name it, uh, for for my name, for my name's sake. and and Revelation is a book of war against Christianity, um, all 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 day long in a purge of Christians to the point where right if the day has not been you know cut short no flesh would be saved meaning really Christians as a whole will be dwindling next to nothing and and many will will give their soul in exchange for peace here on earth unfortunately, but as Christians I say listen you know. Jesus said we will all suffer tribulation. I mean, it's written, it, we will all suffer tribulation. But one thing we do know, and there's multiple verses that back that up, that say we are not subject to God's wrath, that we will have salvation and will be saved from God's wrath. Multiple verses that say that. Um, that he did not come, not come into the world to condemn the world, but, to, but that through him the world might be saved. And then you go on the other the other three verses that uh, have in here, Um, it's all about not having the wrath. So for a Christian, right, they can go to Revelation and they can turn uh, in Revelation 2, what, chapter 16, and that's where you have the actual wrath of God being poured out. So at that point, we know that we're not here for that peace because God has promised we're not subject to his wrath. And it's amazing. Now you go, okay, well, if we're not here for 16, so we're here before that. Uh, The the rapture has to occur, rather, somewhere before that in the scripture, which is where chapter 14 is at. Uh, 15 is just the preparation of the vials of wrath to be poured out. But when you look at 14, that's where you see the rapture, the harvest rapture taking place. And oddly enough, when you go to uh, Thessalonians and uh, Corinthians, both Corinthians say here, uh, what, 1 Corinthians 52. Uh, uh 1552, in a moment, a twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So we know it was the last trumpet specifically. And Thessalonians also says it's the trumpet, right? The trumpet must sound first. So it's like when we go to the last trumpet in, in Revelation, you know, we find that that is the, um, that, what comes in uh, chapter 11 is when the seventh trumpet is blown around verse 15 and right then when it mentions it it says now it's time to give reward unto thy servants you know this trumpet is blown and it's actually already premising you for what thessalonians and corinthians said was now the trumpet is sound now it's time and so between that seventh trumpet the last trumpet and the wrath of God, the rapture must occur to, in order to be biblically correct with what the other chapters say. So as Christians, and then there you go, and lo and behold, you see the harvest rapture happening, right? And then the wrath of God being poured out on the rest. So it's like as Christians, you know, I've seen people try to say, oh, Revelation, what is it, the end of chapter three is, oh, that's, that's the rapture that occurred. And, you know, and, it, and it's such a silly, weak, even attempt to give themselves this feeling of goodness. And we'll be out of here long before that. When in fact, all it was, was, you know, he was being taken up. He said, come up here and let me show you what, what, what must happen after this. So he's being taken up to be given a vision of the rest of the things that come. It wasn't, you know, oh, everyone's been raptured, you know? So at this point we know that the trumpet must sound and it's before God's wrath. So, you know, anyone can read at that point and find it in revelation very easily. Now, does that make you feel good? For me, yes. Why? Because the Bible is so true. And it's and it's and it's not going to bounce outside of its what it says. It the Bible will not return void. It will follow exactly what it says. And I'll tell you what, the Lord, Dr. Hovind, you know, had really it was the Holy Spirit that night particularly that was really just pushing on me hard because I wanted to talk about the mark of the beast. And then, you know, I'm like, Lord, before I finish this learning video. Is there anything else you want me to include in here? You know, this is yours. This is the hallmark for affinity. I need to know. And that's when it just laid on me. Like, you need to talk about the rapture. And I remember going, okay, well, I'm confident. I know, but I don't know how to use the scriptures. Like, I haven't got enough where I could say I'm confident. And that night, I studied till like three in the morning and almost woke up my wife because i was excited the holy spirit was throwing verse after, verse after verse after verse after verse right on my heart and i literally put and when i when i was done it was such a beautiful thing and and at that point i'm like well thank you lord because you showed me beyond a shadow of a doubt how to determine you know that this is it there's no you know any other raptures before there's only two resurrections of the dead and so on you know uh in this stuff so i'm like okay good you know and it was just a, it was a blessing to see but We here, you know, I've been studying the mark of the beast since I was a kid. And watching the movement of money and what is going on. And, you know, you mentioned 2028, Dr. Hovind. I I don't disagree. I don't disagree that it's going to happen in in somewhere in that window. I always tell people, they ask me, well, Jonathan, what do you think? I say, well, I think we're in that 10-year mark, you know, maybe if if that. And, And guess what? Tragedy, all kinds of stuff can change and speed up. All of those things very, very quickly, but one thing's for sure is that when the mark of the beast becomes strong, right after that is when the rapture occurs. So it's like going to get to this pinnacle point and I point Christians to revelation where it says, right the 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 war is after those who keep the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's not any other people in the world except Christians. So we are here for that. We are being pursued for that and being chased and Right? The beast is given power to overcome us. And that's powerful for people to understand and say, look, you were not promised, you know, just peace and and love and, and happiness here. It's going to be a persecution, and you're going to have to hang in there, right? Hang in there until the end, endure until the end. And of course, don't take. The mark, because the mark has been here for a long time. What's going on on the other side of the globe with money right now is insane. I mean, literally this year, Beijing goes cashless. Um, uh, South Korea goes cashless as a nation this year. Uh, this is monumental. China now with their digital currency is coming out. I've been watching cryptocurrency for a long time, and I'll tell you what, Hoven, this cashless society that needs to be here. For the mark of the beast to be true, because it is a global control over all commerce, the ability to do business. Period. And in order to do that, we have to be globally cashless. And I can tell you, this is going to happen very, very quickly. I, I, I tell people, I think the United States will be cashless within a seven-year period. Um, but uh, I know I've chatted a lot on that stuff because it's I'm a I got a lot of passion for it. But uh, make no mistake, as we watch our money go away, and I've played videos of guys who are not Christian; they're just secular tech people, warning people that the governments are going cashless, and when it does, we lose our sovereignty as human beings, and they have more control over us than they've ever had since the beginning of time, and that is what empowers the beast beyond all things, you know, uh, besides it being a supernatural, you know, (laughs) the devil being behind it. That's what really puts people underneath that thumb. And I don't know if, if, if you've studied much, you know, on the mark of the beast yourself or not. I haven't really ever, you know, looked into that. So what's your thoughts?
0: Well, certainly the Bible says you cannot buy or sell without a mark. Um, back in 1972, they developed a barcode yep. that the computers could read. And if you look at any barcode on any product, the first two lines are two thin, white, two thin black lines, which is the computer code for six. Yep. I covered that on my video number seven about the end times. But yeah, every barcode since the beginning has had six at the middle, six at the beginning, six in the middle, and six at the end. Yep. It was even it was even written on the product in 1972, and then they quickly realized, oh no, we got to get this <laughs> off of here. So now they're just unmarked, right. but the computer still reads them as six six six. Hey,
4: Doctor Hoven. By the way, I have the video of George. Uh, George Joseph Lauder, right? The man who ultimately completed the barcode. There was a man that worked on it before him and passed away. He finished it, and I've got his original interviews, and I make that part of my my lesson there for the mark of the beast and rapture. I have in there where he is being asked by the the interviewer um, about him that you know people say you're the devil and this is the mark of the beast and what do you have to say about that? And you know, and you can tell he's frustrated at hearing it, but. It was amazing to watch. Number one, the mental gymnastics. Right? He's like, well, the bars that they're picking on are the ones at the beginning and the middle and the end. But those are just guide bars. The beginning and the in the end tell it. You know, there's the, uh, the 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 overall width of the the barcode, and then, the, then it looks for the center one, and then it says, okay, we've got the bars. Now it can read the numbers in between. And he goes, those are just guide bars. But then he goes on to say, it just so happens that they're sixes. They were just sign that. It wasn't, no one was playing. It just, they happen to be sixes and it doesn't represent any other number, but it's not reading them It's coded numbers, but they are sixes, you know, and it's, it's funny, but it is reading them because the fact is, is, you know, she had, you know if if you have it as a number one on any one of those bars, a number one, does it still work? The answer is no. How about two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, zero? No, nothing else will work. So it must actually identify 666 six, six in order for it to, to say it's a good code. And so as you watch his gymnastics, I, I stopped the video afterwards. I say, now you see? Roundabout, he just told you they are sixes. Literally, they are sixes. They cannot be any other number than sixes. And the fact is, is he could have chose any other three digits uh, of, you know, 333, three, three, or they could have been 123, or it could have been any any other number, uh, combination of there but 666 was chosen. And I tell people, I'm like, look, that doesn't mean George is the devil himself. Just understand, just like with Pharaoh, there are people in this world, right? They're doing things, uh, whether they know it or not to bring prophecy to be. And, and that's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you know, you've, uh, you know, on the barcodes and stuff like that too, because that's where I've watched it morph. And, and now, Obviously, barcodes are on everything. Even the RFID chips that you buy, there's barcodes for purchasing and everything, just to get them. Um, but on on top of that, they've got RFID ink, um, lab on skin technology things. Now they can actually take metallic ink, inject you with it, and it works just like a barcode. It, I've I've been studying this stuff just to see what other technologies they will use. Besides, you know, we see always oh, see that uh, the, the grain of rice size, you know, RFID that's going in people's hands to buy and sell, um, you know, they've got ones that go 34 on the head of a needle. Those grain of rice ones have been around here since the 60s. People used to put them in their pets. I can order it on Amazon right now, and for 14 cents, I can put it right in your hand right now, <laughs> you know, um, but it, that's, it's powerful. And the one thing, reason why, you know, uh, Dr. Hovind, why we teach on the Mark of the Beast too is because it's the one thing. That can stop you for sure from the kingdom of heaven, because the Bible's very clear. And there's, I always tell people, if you can find something warm and fuzzy, in that Bible verse of of uh, you know taking the mark, and um, and it says you know here, <laughs> it says anyone right. Uh, this is here in Revelation fourteen, uh, verses. We'll go. Uh, verses nine, you know, and it says, and the third angel followed him saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive the mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink uh, of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out with mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the lamb and the holy angels. Um, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast is an image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. And so, you know, you that look sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so it's what I've learned is, is, is that Christians today are that sloppy in their thoughts that they don't even think what this, these things are that are, are going in people's hands right now that are used to buy and sell. They don't even think that that could possibly be the mark of the beast. And the thing is, is the mark of the beast is technology. It's not a thought it's something you're going to receive into your hand or in your forehead. I've heard so many people get so lost on that and that's where my passion is because you could be a Christian and you take that mark. You ain't making it. I mean right there it told you you will be <laughs> tortured in fire and brimstone forever. No rest nor day nor night. So there's there's something to be said about that. And as we watch people 10 years ago, Dr. Hoven, something going into their hand would have been a 100 people would have said 100 people would have said absolutely not. And today when I've got Dr. Dr. Oz did a show on this, talking about this could one day save your life. Uh, I've got the clips from all these pieces in, in that uh, video. And people are warm, we're so warm to it right now, Dr. Hovind, um, because it does actually seem like it's the savior of so many of today's problems. With the mark of the beast, right, you stop Child trafficking, human trafficking, prostitution, drug trafficking, all these things are things that you can stop essentially by having something that stops the ability for them to commerce or at least put it on a published ledger where it's visible. So if you're going to this person, you could have took them cash before, it's off record, but now once we go cashless, it's no longer off record, which is going to empower the beast even further. Um,
3: Yeah, so Dr. Hovind, I know that we ran over time a little bit today So we're going to go ahead and let you uh, close out You can elaborate on what we uh, talked about with the Mark of the Beast And then uh, go ahead and plug your ministry Tell people where they can find you And uh, we'll call it a day
0: Well, thank you for having me Yes, uh, Kent Hovind, drdino.com D-R-D-I-N-O They can watch my YouTube channel every night Kent Hovind, H-O-V-I-N-D It's the Norwegian name Kent Hovind official Uh, every Wednesday night we do a whackcking atheist. that is really fun. I, I probably shouldn't be relishing the idea of a whacking an atheist, but I haven't even asked God if it's okay because I like <laughs> one. <doing> it. uh, <laughs> uh. It's fun. But yeah, they can call us at eight five five big Dino like a big dinosaur. go to Extension one if they want to get some of our videos. We have all kinds of videos and 42 languages to help people get saved. We just want to win the world of Christ. I'd say we're very close to the end of time, and it's time to, for Christians to quit worrying about who wins the stupid bowl and start worrying about who's going to heaven.
3: Amen. Amen.
2: And I would definitely say, if you're if you're on his website, go to the store. He's got uh, the creation seminar series that he he referenced earlier. That that is one thing that really helped me come to my faith, Kent. And I just can't appreciate your work anymore. And I know all of us here think the same thing. And we really appreciate the time you took to, to give us a call. And we hope that we can do this again in the future. Absolutely. All right.
4: Come visit again and
2: bring two more satellite dishes. Yeah, yeah awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Kent.
4: I, I want to come out there and help build that dinosaur too. Yeah, I know,
2: right? We'll get we'll find a million dollars. We'll get it to you somehow. <laughs> okay.
3: That was great. Thank All right. Thanks, Kent. Thank Take you. Care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: Well, everybody, that was Dr. Kent Hoven in today. Is anybody uh here on the podcast have any uh uh questions, concerns, or comments on that phone call? I mean, it was it was absolutely amazing. There were a few times where I kind of found myself jaw on the floor just because of the way he, he he points out one word, and it it absolutely destroys a different translation. It destroys uh, even like you said with the morning and the evening. It just right. it completely destroys the the possibility of one day being a thousand years. It's just just not possible. The way we we review that. Do you guys happen to have any other comments or or, or anything on that conversation?
4: I think it's just um, you know. Kent will break it down to be, get simple, right? We he can get complicated, right? He can get real complicated on things. But in, in debunking, right, is about getting to the simplicity of certain things because that's what makes a fool out of the other side, right? I mean, not, not that this has to be a 10-minute you know, you know, answer. It is, well, well, that would mean this. And, and you, with a simple answer... It undoes that, that mind, that, that line of thinking, and I think yeah. that's the beauty of it, is like, look, at the end of the day, your Bible's true, and in fact, I, I mean, and, and Kent, you know, he would, he would agree, there's nothing that they've even tried to recreate to, from an evolution standpoint to try to prove that point, but the one thing that they could do time and time and time and time again is they could replicate what we see with creating their own mini-flood. And literally create the same layers and yeah. buried animals and all this stuff and fossilization. And what, what they used to say when I was a kid, right? It took millions of years to make a fossil. They didn't even know how to fossilize anything. <laughs> but and they now, put millions of years. And Mason, how, how fast can they do them now? I think it was, well, what is it, a couple, within, 12 it, hours, I think?
3: Yeah, within, day, within days, within one day, they can fossilize things. And there's companies that even uh, they make their business out of uh, making uh, mineralizing roses, calling them forever roses by putting them under waterfalls and the minerals and set uh, sediment that wash off the waterfalls fall on the roses and within 2 weeks they have completely petrified roses that oh, wow. they sell it's amazing and yeah we we can recreate fossils within a 24 hour period and uh, what's
4: the number one thing is that water did you say yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> right. wait,
3: there's a flood what <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
4: But- so so you know and and folks you know who whoever's listening today uh I hope this is encouraging to you because you have to understand you cannot fit evolution into your Bible. Okay, that, that is the opposite of that. It, evolution was designed to take God away from the equation altogether. Evolution will never acknowledge God, never has, never will. Um, it's quite the opposite. And so for you as a Christian, like, like Kent said, you, if you're a Christian, you have to submit to the authority of the scripture. If you do not, you're not a Christian, right? Yep. You now you no longer believe in it. So just like you mentioned in, re, in in Genesis, where we have one day into the night and evening and morning into the next day, it is it's said that every time because it God knew, like some ding dong is gonna try to twist my scripture, and, and if not, I don't put this <laughs> yeah. right here, yep. they're gonna try to stretch it out, and they're gonna try to make evolution, they're gonna try to validate the evolution theory through this if I don't put this in. and
2: it's not it's not just you if you think to yourself well I thought that because I literally brought that argument to Jonathan and said Jonathan it was like what two weeks ago I'm like Jonathan this it's not one day it's a thousand and guess what Jonathan put me on my butt because he he showed me the scripture and told me what was right and and the beautiful thing that he the way he ended the conversation and, and that's the way we feel the same exact way is bringing people to Christ yep we can talk about this like why even talk about it It's because one, it's important, but two, we may touch that person that needs to hear it in this way. And that was me. And if if that means that we bring you to Christ, then glory be to God.
4: Yep. Oh, amen. And that's, that's just it. It's, um, as we mentioned, we, there's a lot of programming in your mind that has to be undone. And, um, it's not easy. You know, uh, I remember when I first first met my wife, you know, Heather and, um, I was, I had to deprogram, you know, just the worldly stuff, uh, and, and to teach, you know, and even from, uh, she was raised Catholic, you know, and again, you know, for me, it's the Bible. So I had to show her the scriptures, show her, and I allowed the scriptures to speak for themselves. But also, Heather's a very smart smart woman, so uh, she learned and picked up very quickly on her own. Um, you know, we'd go to this church, and then we would go to that church. We'd go to this church, We go, to, and, and so that she could see the difference in what was being learned and what was being taught, and then verify that to the scripture. So, you know, it's important if you really true, truly want to be a Christian, right, and you want to call yourself a Christian, it's just about learning more about it because, you know, you couldn't call yourself a doctor unless you really learned how to be a doctor. Right. Uh, you know, you can't say I'm a heart surgeon, but you never read and learned and did those things. So if you want to be a Christian, read your instruction manual yeah, and exactly. you'll find out it more and more you're, you'll be less shakeable. I mean, that's that's the way I look at it. Right? And, and that's in
2: the Bible. Bible even says that is to be, to be grounded in your faith, grow your roots deep, so that way no one can shake you. Because if, if you can be shaken, then you weren't really there. Right. If, oh, if I, your mind absolutely. can be changed, you weren't there to begin with. So I think we should just close in prayer, pray for Kent Hoven and his ministry, pray for everybody that's listening today, and let, let, let's get that rolling.
4: Ah, I love that, that tune. Father in heaven, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the time that we have here on the podcast each and every oh, weekend amen. as we record. Um, it's been a blessing. Um, we pray for uh, Kent Hovind uh, in his ministry, uh, creation science evangel- evangelism, and Dinosaur Adventureland. Uh, Lord, we we so much appreciate what he is doing to help um, help bring your Bible to life for people, uh, all the way down from little kids to adults. Uh, we thank you for his ability to stand in and take the heat, his willingness to do so, to be a soldier for you. It's amazing. And uh, it's impacted my family and my friends in such a, such a great way, and I thank you for that. And, Father, we also pray that the people that Kent reaches out there right now that, that need this, Lord, we're praying that whatever it takes, we get it into their hands. Um, so, Father, you know, as we, as we wrap up here today, uh, we thank you for all your sacrifice and all your, your love and your blessings. We thank you for what you say in the Bible being true. And we get to see it and we get to hear it and we get specialists around us to help strengthen that. It's, it's such a blessing, Lord. In Jesus' holy name, thank you. Amen.
2: Amen. And thank you, everybody, for listening today. Thank you once again for listening to the Affinity Christian Ministries podcast. My name is James. I was joined with Mason and Jonathan and a special guest, Dr. Kent Hoven. We thank him so much for coming in and speaking to everybody on the book that our God has given us so graciously. If you liked what you listened to, please download our app on any mobile device that you may have. Visit our website. And if God puts it on your heart to give, you can do so online or on that mobile app. Thank you so much once again. This is James signing off.